Please take your Bibles and turn to 1 John with me. 1 John. First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. <clears throat> First John chapter 5. Let's pray as we get into the message this evening. Father, thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity that you've given us to be here again. Father, thank you for the opportunity to sing your praises. And uh, what a wonderful day it's going to be and uh, to see you and to see all that you've prepared for us. And we're just excited that we have a relationship with you. We can spend this time here on earth with you. Father, we love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Now help us to live for you. Help us to do what it is that is necessary to please you in all things. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember being in high school. High school was a fun time for me. I have uh, very few regrets in high school, but uh, we had a great time. I remember my science teacher always did a review day before any midterms or final exams. He was constantly doing reviews. So our entire period, the period before the exam, was uh, simply a review game. And if you know me at all, I love competition. And so anytime we could have a competition, I was all about having competition, and I enjoyed it. It usually consisted of the classroom being split up into four teams. So we had four rows, and we would kind of spread our desks out a little bit, and then everybody, those, those would be the four teams. And uh, pretty rarely did we get to move around, but nonetheless, those were the four teams. Each person on the team would take their turn at the chalkboard. And what would happen is all four of the first people in the first, uh, first seat would go up and they would get to the chalkboard and they would grab a piece of chalk. And Mr. Wagner, the science teacher, he would ask a question. And the person to correctly answer the question fast enough by writing it on the blackboard won and got a point for that round. Now there were several people that were really good at it. They were really fast. Um, I was really fast, but you couldn't read what I wrote. <laughs> uh, it was very messy, but we often would uh, get a point for that round, and it was a ton of fun. He would always ask questions, though, that were inevitably going to be on the test, which I loved about Mr. Wagner. Mr. Wagner would ask questions that he would put on the test the next day. So review days were always very helpful to me, and if you paid attention in class... And if you paid attention during the review day and you did a little bit of studying, you would not have a hard time on the test. Which, by the way, if you pay attention in class, that's half the battle. Half the battle is paying attention in class. But if you're only going to pay attention for one day, you better pay attention to review day. Review day was such an important day. All of the information would stick with you and you would do very well on the exam. Well, spiritually speaking, life is the test. Life is the test, and the Bible is the textbook. And we get the opportunity, some of you, uh, may, I hope this isn't your only uh, intake for the Bible throughout the week, but this is an opportunity to learn and understand, and in this particular instance, knowing God. John has been teaching us over the last 17 weeks, 17 weeks of the book of 1 John. We've been in this. But I hope you understand that with great knowledge comes great responsibility. When you learn something and you now you know something, there comes a great responsibility with that. We have a great responsibility to now put 
all of the information that we've learned from 1 John, we have a responsibility to put that into our lives and practice it. That's what the test was. Uh, science exams, I enjoyed science. Science was fun to me. It wasn't a dull, uh, boring thing like English. I hated English. But it was exciting to me, and I couldn't wait to try out the things that Mr. Wagner was teaching us, especially in chemistry. Ooh, yeah, you could blow stuff up in chemistry. I wanted to test that out, and so he would often allow us to test some of those things, but ultimately, we had a final exam. We needed to pass that test. Our life is really the exam of what we've learned. And so when you sit here tonight or if you're watching online, you're sitting and watching. I hope you are taking this in and trying to understand it and trying to implement it into your lives. The end of the chapter here, the last four verses, is simply a review. He's simply reviewing over everything that he said over the last five chapters. So he's reviewing what he has taught us. Let's take a look at it. 1 John chapter 5, look with me in verse 18. The Bible says this. We know, interesting that he uses those terms. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. I'm going to read that again. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Verse 19. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Verse 20. And we know... That the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Then I love this part. He just seems to tack on verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. The interesting thing about these verses is, as John recaps, he's assuming that we know. He says, we know, number one, that those that are of God sin not. Verse 19, and we know that we are of God. Verse 20, and we know that the Son of God is come. All of the things that we've talked about up until this point, John is assuming that now we know it. We know. Again, let's break these three things down. What do we know? Number one, we know as a child of God, a child of God does not sin. A child of God does not sin. Let me say that one more time because I think you don't believe me. A child of God does not sin. You say, Pastor Yeomans, how in the world can that be? I am a child of God and I sin every single day. I'm saved. I know it. I'm going to heaven. I know it. Jesus Christ is my personal Savior and I sin. How in the world can a child of God not sin? Pastor Yeomans, don't you know that's called sinless perfection? We don't believe that as a doctrine of the Bible. We cannot experience sinless perfection until we get to heaven. Thank you so much for pointing that out. I appreciate that because that is true. We cannot experience sinless perfection in this life. 
We cannot experience sinless perfection here. So what is John trying to say? He's saying, and we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Well, the end of 1 John tells us, excuse me, 1 John chapter 1, the end of that chapter tells us that if we sin or if we say that we have no sin, we are a liar. If I say I am not a sinner, then I am a liar. 1 John chapter 2 tells us that if we say we know him and keep not his commandments, we are a liar. So how do we reconcile these two things? If you say you have no sin, you're a liar. And if you, keep, if you say that you know him and keep not his commandments, you're a liar. Sin and no sin. How do we reconcile these two things? If we are saved and we sin, does that mean we lose our salvation and we're not begotten of God anymore? It, it means that we're no longer a child of God anymore? Is that what it means? No, absolutely not. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Once you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you're always there. The Bible talks about being placed in the palm of God's hand and God wrapping his hand around you, no man being able to pluck him out of that hand, yourself included. The Bible also talks about uh, the Holy Spirit sealing that. You are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. He is the earnest of our inheritance. That doesn't just get removed. You see, once we're saved, we're always saved. So Pastor Yomans, what does this mean? When we were saved, the Bible says that we were born again, John chapter 3. We were born again of water and of the Spirit. So we were born again of the Spirit. So here's what happens. Now we literally have two natures living inside of us. Two natures warring between us. The old man, the flesh. The new man, the Spirit. Romans chapter 7 tells us that these two are constantly warring with one another. Paul saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver us from this body of death? He's saying, listen, I'm trying the things that I would do. Those are the things that I don't do. And the things that I know I'm not supposed to do, those are the things that I'm doing. And he's constantly warring against these things. Spiritual choice is not sin. Let me say that again. A spiritual choice is not sin. A fleshly choice is sin. A spiritual choice is not sin. A fleshly choice is sin. Romans chapter 7 and verse 25. Paul says this. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh the law of sin. So he's showing you that there's two beings living inside of him, two men living inside of him, one spiritual, one fleshly. And the Bible says they're constantly warring. They're constantly going at each other. But when he serves the law of God, that's good. When he serves the law of his flesh, that is sin. So I want you to understand the dichotomy that's going on. Understand that there are two things going on in your life. A spiritual decision is not sin. A fleshly decision is sin. Pastor Yeomans, how does this apply to my life? It applies this way. If we are sinning, 
we are in the flesh. If we are sinning, we are in the flesh. If we are living righteously, it is through the Spirit. The Bible says in Ephes- or excuse me, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you're walking in the Spirit, when you're living spiritually, when you're living righteously, you cannot sin. Let's look at this verse again. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Sinneth not. If we are sinning, it is our flesh. If we are living righteously, it is through the Spirit. How does this change the way that I view my sin then? You say, yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I sin. And I, I could agree with you that, yes, it's a fleshly thing, and I'm not living spiritually when I sin, but how does this change the way I view my sin? Very simply, sin in any form is simply, just for lack of a better term, atrocious. It's horrible. It's terrible. Sin of any form. Sin is not from God or a part of who God is. Sin is not from God or a part of who God is. It is completely opposite of who God is. God is holy. We understand that. God cannot have sin in his presence. In fact, God, seeing Jesus with the sin of the entire world placed upon him, could not even look upon his own son because of sin. God cannot have sin. Because we cannot lose our salvation, though, oftentimes we get very casual with our sin. Because we cannot lose our salvation, we get very casual with our sin. Well, I have fire insurance. That's the way we describe it. I have insurance, and I got saved so that I wouldn't go to hell. And so here I am, but you know what? It doesn't really matter if I sin. It doesn't really matter if I do wrong. It doesn't really matter if I live for myself. It doesn't really matter if I do what I want to do. The fact of the matter is this. It does matter. If we view our salvation like insurance, that is a horrible view to have. If we are a child of God, and if we know God, hear me, we must view sin like God views it. If we're a child of God, if we're from God and we want to know God, we must view sin as God views it. When we call it what God calls it, we will not willingly and blatantly sin. When we call sin, sin, we will not willingly sin. And so, again, this is very important to understand. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. When you are over here, you are not living like God's child. You are living in the flesh, and that is no place for a Christian to live. That is no place for a child of God to stand. That is a place where fleshly, Sinful, old man lives. But over here, over here is righteous. Over here is spirit-filled. Over here is godly. Over here is a righteous, godly choice. And we need to begin viewing it that way. 
God has already passed our sin and covered it with his blood. When we willingly, constantly, openly sin, we are living as if Jesus Christ didn't die for our sins. As if it doesn't matter that he died for our sins. Hey, I got a free pass. But John says, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But I want you to look at the second part of this verse. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. Keepeth himself. This puts the onus of responsibility on us. It puts the onus of responsibility and we have an opportunity, excuse me, a responsibility to keep ourselves. Romans chapter 6, we referenced it this morning, Romans chapter 6, in verse 1, the Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Most of you will know what verse 2 starts. God forbid. God forbid that we continue in sin, that grace may abound. Listen, we have the opportunity to stay away from sin. We have the opportunity to walk in the Spirit, to live a godly, righteous life if we know God. So very simply, you might be asking yourself this. What is the best way to keep myself from sinning? What is the best way to keep myself as a child of God, knowing that I'm walking with God in his word. I just said it. The best way to keep yourself from sin is to know God's word and know God. To know God's word and to know God. Let me illustrate Psalm 119, verses 9 to 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Know God's word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Know God. Know God's word and know God. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Know God's word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. I've often asked myself, why in the world have preachers my entire life preached on reading your Bible? Why have they preached so much about the importance of daily living in the Word? Why? Because of this verse right here. It has been said, it's an old saying, either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Understand, a child of God does not sin. Not only does a child of God not sin, I want you to see number two, and that's found in verse 19. The Bible says that we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Lieth in wickedness. The Bible talks about wickedness being darkness, sin, death. Very simply, number two, a child of God walks in the light. A child of God walks in the light. You say, Pastor Jones, is this any different from the first one? No, not really. Just a different take on it, really. A child of God walks with God. You see there in verse 19, we know that we are of God. 
for John, here in 1 John, says that God is light. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. A child of God walks with God. A child of God lives with God, is in God, and walks in the light. In him is no darkness at all. Again, this goes against most of our natural thinking. Our natural thinking often brings us to think that if we walk with God for just a little bit, then we are a great Christian. Listen, I, I know godly people. And I would put them over here as almost sinless perfection. Oh, I'm sure they do wrong. We can look at Joseph and go, man. The Bible says nothing negative about him. Daniel, another man. The Bible says very little negative about those two men. Understand this. They were still sinners. But here's what I want you to realize is oftentimes we'll spend a little bit of time walking in the light and we'll spend the majority of our time walking in darkness and we think, wow, look at me. I'm such a great Christian. I spend more time in the light than so-and-so. I spend more time in the light than that person. I spend more time in the light than you fill in the blank. But that's not the point. The point is not to spend more time in the light than anybody else. The point is to spend all of your time in the light. To walk in the light. To spend that time with God. We ought to be constantly, consistently walking with God. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, the Bible says, Ye are the light of the world. I mean, seriously. Ye are the light of the world. We wonder why the world is so dark, don't we? We wonder why the world is so dark, and oftentimes it's because we're hiding a bushel over our little light. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's, that's what God intended for us. That's why we ought to be walking in the light. That's why we ought to be standing with God in the light. Because when God shines through us, we are the light of the world. But so many of us are over here putting it under a bushel. So many of us are over here saying, well, you know, I didn't really do the best that I could today. I didn't really walk with God today. I mean, I had moments by, you know, around mealtime when I prayed. But very quickly, you know, I'm yelling at the kids. I'm yelling at the dog. I'm yelling at my wife. And I'm frustrated at work. And all of these things are happening over here. And I'm just living my life the way that I want to. I'm reacting the way that I want to react. I'm acting the way that I want to act. John says, no, no, no. We know. We know that we are of God. We're of him. We take on his characteristics. We take on who he is. That's what Christian means after all. Little Christ. Should we not then act like him? Should we not be conformed or transformed as Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us? The world is in darkness. But we are 
the light. We get the opportunity to dispel the darkness. Some of the most fun I've ever had was walking around the woods in pitch black. This was before I wore glasses. So there were often times that little sticks would try to gouge your eyeballs out. It was never fun in that aspect. But I remember, let's see how far we can walk without turning the light on. And me and my buddies, we'd get together and we'd try and walk and outdo each other. And then we'd flick the light on. And I don't know if you remember, but we had mag lights. Not the big ones, the, you know, the 8D cell ones. No, we couldn't afford those. My dad used those for other things. <laughs> we had these little tiny ones. And this was before LEDs and all that. I can't even believe I'm saying that. I'm so old. Before LEDs. And I remember just clicking that little incandescent light bulb on. And the forest floor lit up. Listen, we get that opportunity every single day. We get that opportunity every single day. But very often, very, very often, we are more worried about fitting in with the world and becoming like the world than we are with being the light that God has called us to be. Again, we want to be like them. It's, it's a natural pull. All of us like being liked. All of us enjoy being uh, a friendly and a welcome in society. We all enjoy that. I'm not trying to say you have to be against society and be crazy and all of those things, but I want you to understand we must walk in the light because God has called us to be the light of the world. We are his ambassadors. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what he's given us. So often we squander it. You might ask the question, how can we walk in the light? I know I'm supposed to, but how do I do it? Psalm 119, verses 105, verse 105, excuse me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Do you want to know how to be the light that you're supposed to be? Very simply, know God and know his word. Know God and know his word. It is his word that provides light to our lives. It is his word that becomes a part of us. It is him that, becomes, that shines through us to be the light. The light of the world, number three. And finally, a child of God knows his father. First John chapter 5 and verse 20. And we know that the son of God is come. We've spent a great deal of time here. How important it is to know that the Son of God has come. And hath given us an understanding. Why? That we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. A child of God knows his father. I think this is one of my favorite verses in this book. It's a culmination of everything John has written. Based on everything he's written, 
we know that Jesus has come in the flesh. In his coming, and this is what I love, in Jesus' coming, he enabled us to understand God. He enabled us to understand God and to have a relationship with him and literally have him be a part of us and for us to be a part of him. John chapter 15. Abide in me and I in you. Same shall bring forth much fruit. Bible says in John chapter 14 that God wants to manifest himself to us. God wants to reveal himself to us. We have this opportunity to know the one true God, to understand him. Do we know his ways? Bible says that we can't. But there's one that helps us. There's one that guides us. The spirit of God guides us into all truth and teaches us those things that we've been taught and reminds us and all of these different things. Listen to me. Why would you not want to know him? Why would you not want to know almighty God? Why would you not want to fall in love with him over and over and over and over and over again? Why would you not want to stay away from sin walk in the light why listen there's nothing more spectacular in the world than thinking you know someone listen i've been saved for oh boy 28 years seems crazy to me but listen i found out that i know less today than i thought i did I love learning more about God. I love continually learning of him. Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Continual process. Don't stop learning. Why would you not? Why would you not? He is the one true God. He is the Almighty. Sometimes we think John chapter 5 and verse 21 is just a little tidbit thrown in there. I want to remind you that every word of God is important. And no, there are never any little tidbits just thrown in. They're there for a specific reason. Look at that verse with me again. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21. John's final admonition here in this book. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. It seems so basic. It seems so simple. But here's what I believe happens. John says we know, and we know, and we know, we get to know, we get to understand the one true God. But this may be the most important thing he says of all. We've gained a knowledge. But oftentimes when we want to know God, we are too involved in other things. There are times when you just, you passionately, you, you have the desire you want to know him. You want to understand him. You want to be a part of who he is. You want him in you and you to be in him. You want this wonderful, wonderful abiding relationship. 
And you begin to look at your life and go, well, I have to do that. And I have to do that. And I have to, well, well, I want to do that. And I mean, I just can't give that up. And this, that, and the other thing. And before long, you've gotten nowhere. You've not taken any more time. You've not walked any more in the light. You've spent your time on YouTube or Facebook or watching television or listening to the radio or listening to records. I don't even know. But doing something other than walking in the light. Spending time with God. Getting to know him. I had friends in high school who were too involved in drawing during class to listen. Some of them were spectacular drawers. I'm a terrible one. I, I can't even draw a stick man properly. But these guys were drawing cars. They were drawing all kinds of amazing things during class. They were too involved with talking to their girlfriends during the review time. It would be their turn and we'd all roll our eyes if they were on our team because we knew they hadn't listened one lick up until this point. They were too involved in having fun that night to take time to study for their test. Yeah, in the area I lived, we rode four-wheelers, we rode snowmobiles, we rode all kinds of things. And so they'd be all out doing those things and having a great time. And then they'd get up a little bit early in the morning and they'd try and study for an exam. And they'd maybe, maybe pass. Listen, if you get too involved in something else and you don't spend time in the textbook, you don't understand the teaching, you don't walk with God, you'll never pass the test. Or you might just get by by the skin of your teeth, as my science teacher used to say, because we've been too involved in other things. I, I believe this with all my heart. There's nothing more important than your relationship with God. Nothing more important. Because if your relationship with God is not right, you cannot be the light that you're supposed to be. You cannot walk the way that you're supposed to walk, and you will never fulfill what God intended for your life. The final admonition is don't get involved with idols. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Why? Because that will take you away from knowing God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us. Father, it often baffles me to know that Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, wants to know me and wants to be known by me. Father, I can't be involved in the things that I want to be involved in and do and live the way that I want to live. And still know you. I have to give up some things. Father, the relationship with you has been and will continue to be worth it all. There's no greater joy. There's no greater 
There's no more everlasting joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's nothing more extravagant than those things. The benefits of having a relationship with you. I pray that all these that sit here tonight and all that listen online would know you. That they would live, Father, in light. Stay away from darkness. They would understand you and learn of you more every single day. Father, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.